0: Well, I'll not twist your arm. If you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the, uh, again to the book of Psalms, uh, but this time to Psalms chapter 37. I've got just, uh, really there's one verse I'm focused on, but, but I'm going to read to you about four verses here tonight. So I'll give you just a moment to find uh, Psalm chapter 37. I'm going to start with verse 23. Psalm chapter 37, we going to start with verse 23 and read through uh, verse six, or 26. Psalm, verse, or Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young. And now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here one more time. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and the many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight to worship you together. Pray, Lord, that you would just continue to bless our worship here tonight. Pray, Lord, as I uh, have read your scriptures here tonight and getting ready to be your messenger and deliver your your message here tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would bless it. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me. I ask, Lord, that you would help me set everything else aside, get everything out of my mind. except for your thoughts, your message, your words, and that you'd place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak here tonight. Lord, my heart's desire is uh, to do your will, that everyone would leave here knowing that they've heard from you. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, Lord, that you would give everyone ears to hear what you would say to them tonight through your spirit, through me, but, through, but ultimately, it's through your spirit. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just open their minds for the understanding so that they would understand what you would have them to say or what you would have them to know. And I pray, Lord, that your words would just find a lodging place in their hearts, Lord. Uh, Lord, so that it might uh, take root and grow and transform them from the inside out to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the, though, that way those that are Christians continue to grow in their Christian walk, become more and more Christ-like every day. Those that are lost, Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. So Lord, we just pray one more time here. Have your way and your will in this service. For as any that doesn't know you, God, let tonight be the night that they would come to know you. for as any that strayed, Lord, let tonight be the night they come back. Lord, have your way and your will. Let your presence be known and felt here in a mighty way. And we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, I ask for your anointing, your holy unction. God, the words to speak. And I'll give you all the glory. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to hone in on verse 25. Right? It says, I, that, that verse has always stood out to me. It says, I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The psalmist here is, I believe, David. And uh, as a matter of fact, in my Bible, it titles it, uh, Trust in the Lord, a psalm of David. Um uh, so the psalmist here that God used to write this is David King David David starts out and says "I've been young and now I'm old right David first of all he is saying uh, that I've been around a long time right he's saying i've seen a lot I've been around a long time I've seen a lot of things right so he's making it clear from the very beginning he is not speaking from a place of In experience, right? He's not talking about things that he doesn't know about, right? He's talking about things that he has witnessed firsthand, things that he's experienced, and things that he has witnessed firsthand. And he goes on in in this verse to say, "Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken?" Right? So in David's experience, what he's saying is he's never seen God abandon. God's people, right? He's never seen God abandon his own people. That goes with what we know with the rest of the scriptures, right? Right? The Lord himself told us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, he says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? So we, so we have this here. David is speaking from experience. Something that we know and recognize as a spiritual truth, and have experienced in our own lives—that no matter how low that we can, uh, you know, God doesn't leave us. He's never left us. Now, that doesn't mean you—you you might leave God, but God's not going to leave you. And so, anyway, so so we see David say, we we see David um, expressing this, right? Uh, getting this to us. Yet, have I not seen the righteous forsaken? Uh, And then he goes on the last part of this verse and and adds something interesting to it. Uh, He says, Nor his seed begging bread. So neither has David uh, seen the righteous forsaken, but he's also not ever seen their children starving. And you might be sitting there saying, well, I don't know about that. Well, let me just throw this out at you then. If you know of any uh, children of any good, brothers and sisters in Christ that are going hungry, why ain't you doing something about it? You understand what I'm saying? I believe the scripture is true. I believe God will keep his promise. And so anyways, so this, pa- this passage of scripture is speaking specifically about the righteous. That's something to keep in mind, right? This verse here, well, this whole passage, right? The steps of a good man, uh, you know, but, but I want to focus in here uh, on that. And so anyways, in our 25th verse, he is talking about the righteous. Never seen the righteous forsaken? Never seen his seed, right? His children uh, going without, begging for bread, starving to death. And so anyways, so the question is, if he's talking about the righteous, who are the righteous? What does that even mean, righteous? Does that mean because of your good works and your impeccable morality and you're just, you know, uh really great person? That doesn't that's not what makes you righteous. You might be all those things and be righteous at the same time. Hopefully you are, but that's not what makes you righteous, because if that makes you righteous. That's actually self-righteousness, right? And God tells us in his own word that that's his filthy rags before him. He is not pleased with that, right? You can go out here and you can be Mother Teresa, you can be Hondi, you can do all of these great works and these humanitarian efforts. And, it, and the, that is nothing but self-righteousness if it's in your own power, uh, your own will, uh, by your own means. So who are the righteous? Well, first of all, in the context of our scripture in Psalm 37, the righteous in this entirety of this psalm are described as those who wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord. They are described here as those that live according to God's ways. And they're described also, it finishes up describing them, as those who take delight in the Lord. It tells us here in this psalm that they put off anger and worry. And instead they clothe themselves in generosity and in wisdom with the word of God rooted deep in their hearts. That is the description of the righteous. If you go through this psalm, that is the things that you will pull out here. That is who the righteous are. So the righteous, what makes you righteous, what that means by righteous is you're right with God. What makes you right with God is not what you did, but what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. When we accept what he did on our behalf and we're clothed with his righteousness and we die to ourselves daily and we begin to follow him, we see all these traits right, that's talked about here begin to be exhibited in our own lives. So, why do I want to talk about what David said here when he says, I've been young? And now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? I was going through some old notes from times I was I was studying in the Bible. Uh, usually, um, usually when I study, I, I got pad and paper beside me. Usually as I'm going through, and even if I'm just reading devotional reading in the Bible, things that will jump out at me, I'll make notes, go back later to go through, look at. Sometimes God will just kind of put something on my heart. I'll write it down. Sometimes that ends up as a, in a sermon, as a sermon, part of a sermon. Sometimes it's just for me. Sometimes I don't know whatever happens to it. It's just gone. But anyways, I come across this list. I was reading, I probably wasn't studying here, honestly, I was probably reading this devotionally, and God just hit me with the thought, I don't know when I made this list, it wasn't recently, it could have been years and years ago, I don't know, but I made this list, thinking about David is talking about something he's never saw here. And in that same line at that time I was thinking of some things again, thinking in the same type of context here, thinking about the righteous, thinking about those who are saved, those who are truly redeemed, Christians that are on their way to heaven. I was thinking about some things that I had never seen. And so I made a list, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's some things on this list if I was right God done it this way on purpose because there's a couple things I'm going to get to on this list tonight that, given our current circumstances, I probably wouldn't intentionally write down and, and and, and you know, say a lot about right now uh, due to some of the different circumstances, you know, just that's going on in our lives and our country and so on and so forth. Um, and that would be shame on me, right? That would be just because of me being chicken, I guess. I don't know. Uh, But God had, I wrote this list down quite a while back, and God strongly, strongly impressed upon me to share it with you tonight and just say a few things about it as I go along here. So the first thing on my list, right, David said he'd never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Well, I'll tell you something that I've never seen. I've never seen a happy Christian not trying to win souls. Right. What do I mean by that? Is I've never seen a Christian who's actually excited uh, about uh, their salvation. Right. Who's actually excited about what God has done in their life that did not share that with other people. That did not tell other people about it. Uh, amen. Right. That's why the song you know talks about love to tell the story. Right. <coughs> love to tell the story of what it is that God has done for me. Right. Uh, that He's the only begotten Son of Jesus died. Uh, Whenever I, now you may have got saved as a child, it may be different for you. For me, I didn't get saved until I was 27 years old. And so there was, so I'd already done a lot of things, right? uh, I had a lot of things. I talked about repentance this morning. I had a lot of things to repent of. Uh, And so anyways, I had some habits I'd already developed in my life that were set. Some things that God absolutely just changed. (coughs) One of the things that I remember the most... Uh, happened immediately. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't I, I got saved on Friday night of revival. And it wasn't like in that very second I realized it. First thing that I realized by the time I got home from the revival that night was a hunger for the word of God. By probably the next day, maybe after that, there's a joy that's just welling up. It just was there. I remember that I I, I had to work every other Saturday back then. I worked at the Bill and Supply. And I remember I had to work that next Saturday. And so I hurried home. Bill and Supply, we didn't close until 5. There was always somebody that showed up at like 4.59 and 59 seconds or whatever, you know, with a big order. So you you never got out of there at 5.00. Right? I got somewhere. I I need to get home, take a shower, um, you know, and get ready. I'm excited. I'm going to church tonight, you know. Praise God. Hallelujah. We talked a little bit about salvation sermons uh, this morning. I don't remember what the preacher uh, said the night that he preached. I remember one phrase he said, and that's it. It had nothing to do with what God used to deal with me about. But I remember him saying that he was tired of parting grown man's whiskers to put pacifiers in their mouth. Now... I can only look back on it, I can only assume that, I know he was a pastor, I can only assume maybe he was having some trouble with some grown men who were acting like babies. I don't know. But anyways, I don't remember exactly what the preacher preached that night or anything, but here's something I told you. Uh, The next day, right, I've gotten off work, I'm home, I'm in the shower, I'm getting ready, and it just hits me right then. I wasn't afraid of death any longer. There was absolutely no fear in that moment right then. There was no fear of death whatsoever, Sister Mary. No fear. I had always, right? It wasn't like I was terrified. It wasn't like it. I let it stop me from doing what I wanted to do or even for taking some unnecessary risk. Uh, but I was always, right? There's always a natural inborn Fear of death, right? I was always afraid of death. It's not like I have what we call a death wish now and want to die. It's not anything like that. But all of a sudden, there was, I realized, right? I mean, I'm just as happy as I can be. I'm just singing in the shower, right? That's not me. That's not my personality type. Uh, there is a joy that i would never experienced it's kind out of me and I remember you know I, I remember asking myself in my mind it's a dumb question but asking myself what are you so happy about you know and then the first thing that popped in my mind was I'm no longer afraid of death I actually out loud right at that moment said Lord if you want me right now here I am in all my glory right as in the shower <laughs> I remember I don't know, it wasn't long after that, maybe a couple weeks later. I remember being at the building supply. I drove delivery truck for them, but when I'd come in from making runs or didn't have a run to make, you know, I'd help load people in the yard, things like that. There's always something to do. I remember one guy, and he was a regular customer, it wasn't like this, was a stranger. I remember one guy who was a regular, so he knew me. He was a builder. He was there picking up some stuff. And he flat out asked me, Why are you so happy? (laughs) Praise the Lord, there's the door wide open right? I'll tell you exactly why I'm so happy. Hallelujah. I've been set free, Brother Ted. I'm no longer a slave to sin and to the devil. Glory to God. I'm no longer afraid of death, right? Where is your sting, death? Or where is your victory, O oh grave? Glory. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm on my way to heaven. Let me tell you about it. I remember it wasn't long. It was during that same time period Whenever that was before they closed the crossing in Lake Street, and so anytime um, the electric company, Intercounty, their shop was just right up Lake Street there, right across the railroad tracks. Anytime they ordered something, we just run it up there on the forklift, right? Uh, I mean, you know, something of size. We wouldn't even bother to put it on a truck. We just drive the forklift up there with on the forks. I had they ordered something, right? I drove it up there, took it up there, just put it in their shop, just sat down there in their shop like we always do. And I turn around and I'm starting to head back. Phone rings. It's an old buddy of mine who's also kind of a distant cousin of mine by marriage. And this was one type of friend that we had done stuff together at different times. We'd worked together at different times. There was times in our life where we were around each other a lot, times where we weren't. That was, you know, this was a time where we weren't around each other much. But he was my trading buddy. What I mean by that is, we swapped guns, cars, trucks, boats. I mean, you, you just go through the list, right? You know, he was just, he was one of these guys that was always a trader. I always kind of traded and bartered a lot, too. But he really wasn't, man. Anytime he'd come up with something, you know, he had people he called, and I was one of them, he's like, hey, this is what I got, you know, trying to make some sort of deal on something, right? He calls me up, and this is the first time I can remember being conscious about wanting to witness. He's lost. Wanting to witness to somebody. You know this, right? Because you you tell people about Jesus, so you know how nervous you get. What am I going to say? What if, and then all the what ifs, right? There's a ton of them too, right? Okay. Okay. This is where, this is where, what's happening. He calls me. I didn't start out, this is the first time he talked to me since I got saved. I didn't start out with any church stuff, any getting, none of that. I didn't start out with any of that. He calls me, he immediately launches into whatever it was that he, actually I think he had a motorcycle, he was trying to get me to trade for a stock trailer, but anyways. I just talked to him about what it is. I, in my mind, I'm trying to work up uh, the nerve in an opening. But right now, I'm just talking to him about what it is. I didn't realize it, but the joy, right? There was something different in me. It, he knew me well enough. It was coming through my voice without me saying anything. Until finally, we're having this conversation like five minutes or whatever. Finally, he's like, what happened to you? Something's different. You're right. Something is different. I'm telling you right now. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I've never seen a happy Christian that didn't like to tell people about Jesus, that didn't share their faith, didn't share the gospel, that that didn't have the joy of the Lord, right, that they wanted to share with people. Here's something else. Here's the second one on my list. I told you some of these things, right? Given the current state of our economy and hard times and all that, I might not have put on the list right now just because I'd be too big of a chicken. I've never seen a Christian too poor to pay their tithes. Never seen them too poor to give the Lord his due. Now, I've seen them that were too tight. I've seen them that were too greedy. I've seen them that had too little faith to trust the Lord to take care of them. But I have never, never seen them too poor. You might say, now, wait a minute, Pastor. You don't know my situation. Well, actually... I might know your situation. That kind of stuff is what makes something like this a little harder. But it's the truth. If you look at Mark chapter 12 for just a minute, let me give you a biblical example. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. All right, so so get the idea here, right? Jesus is there at the temple. Can you see him there, kind of hanging out, maybe, you know, casually leaning up against the wall? Some of the apostles or disciples around him. And he's watching as all these people come in. And they're casting in, right? They're paying their tithes and giving their offerings. They're casting in to the treasury money, physical money is what's happening here into the treasury as they go in. And it says that he saw many uh, people who were rich cast in much, give a lot of money. Verse 42. And then there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Now, I tried to figure out just exactly how much two mites are how much a farthing is. And when you look in your, if your Bible's got commentary, footnotes, or whatever, you know, resources you might have, if you've got more than one, you'll find you'll have more than one answer. There's There's a lot of different answers on this. And I think part of it has to do with the value of money, inflation, time, right? In other words, if, for instance, if you got the King James Study Bible, that was written in the 70s. And the numbers and it's not been updated. So if it has something to do with money and it gives you an actual dollar amount, that's going to be in like 1977 or 78 dollars, you know. That's not going to be in 2022 dollars. That's going to be a big difference, right? Uh, Minimum wage ain't, you know, two or three dollars an hour any longer. Things have changed quite a bit. So anyways, I'll just say this. Two mites and a farthing was just a few dollars. It wasn't very much. I don't even know if it was enough to go to go over here to McDonald's or Burger King and to buy you a hamburger. If it is, it's probably one that was on the cheap menu, not just any one that you wanted, okay? You sure wasn't getting a whole meal. You wasn't getting fries and a drink with it, too, all right? That's how much money we're talking about here. Not very much. Verse 43. And he called unto him his disciples, right? His followers, the one his ones who are becoming his inner circle, uh, many if not all who will eventually become the apostles. And he saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Right? Remember he said he'd seen many rich men, uh, rich people come in and give a lot of money. And yet he tells his disciples, you see that one woman that just threw in them two mites? She gave more than all the rest of them. Well, the first thing you're thinking is like, wait a minute, no. I've seen, I seen that one old boy throw some gold coins in there. I know that's a whole lot more than two mites. You're missing the point of what he's, what he's getting at. Verse 44, he explains it. For all they did cast in of their abundance, meaning all them rich folks Look. He's not condemning them for giving. They gave, right? They were given what they were supposed to. Some of them may give a lot more than what they're supposed to. All he did was point out how this widow woman gave more than they did. He's explaining why her two mites, her couple dollars, was actually more than maybe the, the thousands or maybe more than that that the other guys had given. But she of her want, want, lacking, without, right, in need. But she of her want did cast in all that she had. Did you catch that? All that she had, even all her living. She didn't say, okay, wait a minute, here's enough money for me to buy food for the week or the day or the month or whatever. And this is how much I've got left over. That's her excess. And I'll put in what I've got left over once I've seen I've had enough. L- listen to me, friend, if that's the way that you think. If that's the way she would have done, she'd have made the same mistake Cain uh, uh, did, right? Because in the process of time, Cain give out of his abundance, out of his excess, right? He didn't give the best off the top, right? It's the same mistake. It's the same heart. It's the same mindset. even all her living. That means the only money she had to live on, she just gave it. That's what he's talking about. That's what he meant, right? She gave all that she had. This little bit of change is all she had. Remember, she did not have a welfare system to fall back on. There were no food banks to go to or soup kitchens. There was nothing, right? And her being a woman would make it even more uh, difficult for her to find any kind of work in order to make more money. We don't even know all the circumstances. You see, this woman was more fit to be receiving help than to be giving it. Giving to God, this is the part that we miss. Giving to God is supposed to be a sacrifice, right? Think about it for just a minute. What we do for God, giving of our money, giving of our time, giving of our our, our talents, all of this stuff, We consider that a sacrifice, don't we, right? We think of it in terms of a spiritual sacrifice because we are a a spiritual priesthood, a a royal priesthood, right? That God has called that we offer spiritual sacrifices that we uh, intend and hope to be pleasing to him. But I have to ask the question, is it really a sacrifice? Because really what we do is we give of our excess. We'll give of our time as long as there's nothing that's more pressing. We'll give of our money as long as there's nothing more pressing. We'll help out as long as there's not anything that we, that we feel is more pressing. That's, that's probably the best and most generous of us. The truth is, is most of us is this, as long as there's not anything else that I want to do. Giving to God It's supposed to cost you. It's not a sacrifice if you're not going to miss it, is it? If you figure out what you can do without missing it, is it really a sacrifice? We're supposed to offer sacrifices to God that are offered in faith. I told you this, uh, Psalm 37 part of the description of who the righteous is are those who obey God's word and those who trust in the Lord, right? And live according to God's commandments, to according to his ways, according to his word. That's why. That's why we go back to the temple problems that we've been talking about in the book of Malachi, right? That's why they were instructed and why they were getting in trouble there. They were to offer the pests, of their livestock, for sacrifices. Not coals, not the sick, not the leftovers, right? When we look at this, the rich men, uh, they weren't really, it would be hard to say that they were in most cases, or in some cases anyways, there was a lot of them that weren't really making any kind of a sacrifice. They were giving of their excess. They weren't going to have to do without because of what they were given. This poor widow woman would have to do without because of what she was giving. That right there is a true sacrifice. And therefore, in God's eyes, she gave more than all of them. I would go so far as to say, this poor widow woman, she's the generous one. She is the one who is trusting in the Lord. She is the one uh, in whom he delights. She's the one Going back to our scriptures tonight, who knows that her children will not be begging for bread because she is part of the righteous. So let me go back to what I said before I move on with my list. I said I've never seen a Christian who was too poor to tithe. I'm gonna stand by that. And I know things are rough right now. I, I get that, I understand. But I've never seen a Christian who was too poor to tithe. I've seen them who was too tight. I've seen them who was too greedy. I've seen them that had too little faith. But I ain't ever seen one who was too poor. Here's the third thing on my list. I've never seen a Christian that was sorry they got saved. You ever seen one who was truly sorry that after they got saved, that they got saved? Ever known of a Christian that after they got saved, they said, man... Why did I do that? Man, I went and messed up my whole life. Worst decision I ever made. I've heard people say that, but not about getting saved. Amen? Glory to God, right? I hear them testify and say, I don't know why I waited so long. I was stubborn, I was stupid, I I, I was selfish, right? You hear all things like that. I had different ones that prayed for me for years. I I wished I'd have done it sooner. I wished I'd have lived this life whenever I was young. I don't know why I waited so long. I've heard those things, but I ain't ever seen one, right? I never even heard of a Christian. Who was, that's truly saved, who was sorry they got saved. You know what else I've never seen? I've never seen a Christian get away with sin. I never have. you you ever seen a Christian, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about somebody that just wears a name tag around. I'm talking about somebody truly born again, Spirit of God dwelling within them. Yeah, I've, see, I've seen Christians, right, that like I'm talking about, truly saved, born of the Spirit of God, that name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. New name, I'm not sure, but name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. On their way to heaven, Holy Spirit of God dwelling within them. I've seen them sin before. I've seen them do things they hadn't ought to do. I've seen them lose their cool and say things or do things that they shouldn't do. Right? I've seen them get a little bit be tempted by the flesh, right? I've seen and heard of that before. But I ain't ever seen a single one of them. Right? Now remember, I'm talking about true ones, the Spirit of God living in, inside of them. I never seen them get away with it. You ever seen them sin and the Holy Spirit not deal with them? I'm not talking about how they react to that. I'm not talking about whether or not they repent or whether they resist, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, you ever seen one that the Holy Spirit of God did not do, uh, deal with? I haven't. I've seen them miserable because the Spirit of God's dealing with them. Convicting them. They can't find no peace. Can't sleep at night. Never seen a Christian get away with sin. And I promise you, even if they were to resist the Spirit for the rest of their lives, they'd stand before God in judgment one day and they'd have to answer for it. Not getting away with it. Tell you what else I never seen. I never seen a healthy Christian that did not pray. I've seen a lot of weak and sick Christians that did not pray. I've seen a lot of nominal Christians, right? That means in name only, right? Just wear the name tag but not really saved, right? I've seen a lot of them that did not pray, but I have never seen a healthy Christian, somebody who is truly saved, Spirit of God dwelling in them, following God, right? Uh, Loving God, right? I've never seen one that did not pray and did not have a prayer line. You know, what else I've not ever seen? I've never seen a healthy Christian that did not want to go to church. Now, I've seen them that, you know, there are circumstances that's kept them from going. Right? I've seen them sick and in the hospital and the nursing home and places like that, you know, where they couldn't do it. Right? I've seen them in in foreign fields and distant lands and things like that where there was no church to go to. But I have never, ever seen a healthy Christian that did not desire, that did not want to go to church. I have, I've told you this story, I've probably told you this story before, but I'm going to tell you again. Whenever I was a uh, chaplain at the hospital in West Plains, uh, you know, our goal was just to go in to make our presence known and to pray with them. And, uh, you know, when we were trained, we were told to treat it like we were going, we went into the room like we're going into their home. So if they asked us to leave, if they didn't want us to pray with them, if they didn't want anything to do with us, then we had to honor that, right? But outside of that, and I quote, we were told to just to follow the leading of the Spirit. Uh, that was one thing that always impressed me with them. This is a hospital official, right? This is, this is the, I forget what they call it, the, ad, the admin for the hospital, the administrator. This, that is what they to, he told us in a um, chaplain meeting. Where there was all there was about a dozen of us then it was there, and so anyway so we would go in. I had this cut this line that I always said just you know saw that you were here. Wanted you to know that the hospital has chaplains we are available twenty four seven. You can pick up the phone, call us. uh You know I'd tell them what extension to dial. I'd give them one of our cards. I'd say or you can just tell the nurse. The nurse will get us. Uh, We just want you to know that we're here, uh, you know, if you want to talk, if you want somebody to pray with you, whatever it is, you know, we're we're here for, you know, any spiritual needs that, uh, you know, something along those lines is usually what my line was. And then I would say, is it all right if I pray with you before I go, right? Now, there was a lot of people that the conversation would come out of that and they wanted to talk, they were lonely, maybe they were worried about things, whatever, you know, there were some that couldn't wait for you to get out of the room. There's also a group of people who would, and I had this, had, this wasn't once, this wasn't twice. This was, I don't know how many times. Now, looking back on it, I wish I'd have kept a tally. Number of times. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a dozen times. I had somebody out of the blue. Now, you, you heard my spiel. I didn't mention anywhere in there, where do you go to church? You need to go to church to be a Christian. The word church didn't even come out of my mouth. The word pastor did not come out of my mouth. Right? It's prayer. We're here to help. This is how you get a hold of us. Right? That's the things I'm saying. At least a dozen times in my two years or so, maybe I might have been there a little longer than that, but I was there. I had somebody say to me, right out of the blue, in the middle when I'm talking or as I'm finishing. You don't have to be a you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm thinking, where'd that come from? I didn't invite you to my church. You know, I mean I don't mean that in a bad way, but right there tells me God's dealing with them about something. Right? That's my point. They didn't want to go to church. I don't know in a lot of their cases what the background was, what was going on. Some of them I found out was willing to talk to me, and I did find out. But anyways, most of them I didn't know what was going on, what was happening there. But I knew that there was some sort of conviction or they wouldn't say something like that. My point is, is I've never seen a healthy Christian that did not desire to be with God's people and to gather together and to worship God together, whether we're singing songs, uh, whether the Word of God's being preached, whether uh, we're having Bible study, whatever the case, or just a fellowship together, that was the one thing that I that I remember after I got saved. Sunday went from my least favorite day of the week to my most favorite day of the week. I couldn't wait uh, to be able to go to church. I was excited to hear the word of God preached. I was excited to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. I was excited about the possibility of seeing what God was doing uh, in people's lives. Let me, you, let me give you two more and I'll quit, maybe three. I never seen a griping Christian Right? So I just told you, I've never seen a healthy Christian that didn't want to go to a church. Healthy Christian wants to go to church. On the other hand, I've never seen a, you know, the griping, complaining type. I've never seen a griping cr- Christian that didn't hurt the church in its cause. Do you know one person going around b- bad mouthing uh, can do so much harm? To, to a church, to the cause of Christ, right? Uh, they, can, uh, they can really, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are more than ready to, to badmouth the church, to badmouth Christians, to badmouth uh, what God is doing. And sometimes they do it uh, in an air of holiness, you know, thinking that, um, I don't know, maybe they think they're doing God a favor. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures here. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says uh, that you may be, um, do all things without murmuring and disputing, right? Uh, we're not, even, even if something bad happens, even if we're done wrong or whatever, we don't go around airing everything, you know, and, and, and giving Christ the bad name. Uh, you know, you just, sometimes it's better just not to say anything. As a matter of fact, let me give you the remedy to this, and I know I need to move on. If you go on over to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. Think on these things. Think on these things dwell on the good things not the negative things not the bad things I'll give you the last two I got on my list and then, and then I'll quit I've never seen a sinner that God wouldn't save if they asked if they just simply asked what I mean by ask is they, rep- they turn to God they recognize that they need to be saved they recognize they've done wrong they repent, right? That means they turn away from those things. They forsake those things. They turn away from sin and turn towards God. And I've never seen one, right, with that kind of heart that what they didn't ask God to save them, what he wouldn't. There are so many people, right, over the, over the years who have been afraid that they couldn't, couldn't get saved. For various reasons, there's been some. I've talked to ones that have feared that they had committed the unpardonable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I've heard ones that had got caught up in the nonsense about election and have uh, was afraid they weren't one of the elect, and or ones that you know was how do you know uh, whether or not you're saved, or ones that have done such bad things that they think that there's no way that God could save them. But listen to me, I have never seen a sinner. That God wouldn't save if they asked him. If they just turned to him and asked him. And one last thing. Let me come back to what the psalmist said. I'll have to agree with him. I've never seen God forsake his children. I've never seen God forsake his children. That doesn't mean that his children wouldn't go through hard times. That doesn't mean that you won't experience things. That doesn't mean that things won't get tight. That doesn't mean that you won't go... Uh, will experience trial and tribulation. That doesn't even mean that you might not, you know, you miss, things might get so rough, you might miss a meal. But I have never. That doesn't mean, let me add to that, I believe we live in the very last days. So that does not mean that you might not be imprisoned because of being a Christian, because of being a child of God. might even mean execution. But I have yet to see him forsake his children. He'll never leave you. He's there every step of the way. No matter what you might be going through. Right, You might be going through something right now. You know what? God's not left you. And God's not going to leave you. You might leave him, but he won't leave you. So let me just leave you with that word of, of encouragement. Let me, let me, if I can find my list, let me read it off my list again. I've never seen God forsake his children never let me just read you my whole list again as Jennifer comes I've never seen a happy Christian not trying to win souls I've never seen a Christian too poor to tithe I've never seen a Christian sorry that they got saved I've never seen a Christian get away with sin I've never seen a healthy Christian that did not pray now, I've never seen a healthy Christian that did not want to go to church. I've also never seen a griping Christian that didn't hurt the church and what it's trying to do for the Lord, its cause. I've never seen a sinner that God wouldn't save if they asked him. And I've never seen God forsake his children. Would you stand to your feet?